This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. Robert Sala, he's meeting the media yesterday. What can you do to jumpstart the team, like making some changes? Nothing with the quarterback, nothing with the play caller. It's 2023. This is an NFL where the rules are supposed to be geared towards offense, right? Supposed to be more wide open. The quarterback is somebody that you're not even allowed to look at or else it's 15 yards. But yet this team, for some reason, just can't quite figure it out yet. I mean, 11 quarters without a touchdown is... Is, it's almost laughable, to be quite honest with you. If I would have told you at the beginning of the season that any team would go 11 quarters without a touchdown in the NFL, you probably would have thought that there's no way that could be true. Not in this day and age. No way, no how. This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. We're making strides, right? We're grinding, as coaches and players like with to say. With authority. With authority, damn it. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. We're taking right up until 9 o'clock. Larry and Gordon are going to come your way then with the fancy schmancy ESPN New York tonight. At Dan Grasse is where you can get me on Twitter at Dan Grasse, G-R-A-C-A. Uh, what do we got here? A lot of football tonight with the Jets. Little Giants sprinkled in as well. Giants and Commanders coming up this weekend down in D.C. Like we said about the Giants, Right. I know that some fans have already waved the white flag on the season, that there's nothing to play for. Guys are bickering on the sidelines, as you would expect, frustration setting in. Giants are going to win a game or two the rest of the way. I really and truly believe it. In this league, in this NFL, they are going to find a way to win a game because those players and those coaches are not tanking. They're going out there trying to win, despite what it may look like, and they're going to pick somebody off. I don't know if this weekend it happens down in D.C., But he got the Patriots coming into your building next week, and they're a complete disaster. Even the Packers on that Monday night. I mean, you know, if you can't get up for a Monday night game, what game can you get up for? So the Giants will find their way to win a game or two, but is it going to satisfy fans when all is said and done when it comes to the draft? And the draft is a crapshoot. Nothing more, nothing less. You know, you may think that you need to have the first pick, the second pick to be able to get the quarterback of the future, that you need those picks to strike gold, but you never know, right? Like, look at the Houston Texans right now. They had the second stab at it, and they ended up with a guy who right now looks like he's probably the best of the bunch in C.J. Stroud because the Panthers decided, well, the owner of the Panthers decided to go in a different direction. He was the one that wanted Bryce Young, apparently, and when you're the owner and when you sign the checks, you get whoever you want, but he wanted Bryce Young, and the Texans said, thank you very much. They took C.J. Stroud, and... I think I said it last night. Forget about Rookie of the Year for C.J. Stroud. That's like too pedestrian for him. This dude's going to get like MVP votes if he continues this way. And he'll be coming to MetLife Stadium in a few weeks' time to take on the Jets. I think that's December the 10th, as a matter of fact. How about that weekend, by the way? You got Houston in town to play the Jets on Sunday. And then you got the Giants hosting the Packers on Monday night. I wonder... I wonder if ESPN would look to maybe flex out of that giant Packer game. I know you'd get the New York audience, and there's a lot of Packer fans all over the country, but the Giants are bad. The Packers aren't anything to write home about either. And if both of those teams continue to lose over the next couple of weeks, like you know, when they have to make that decision, I wonder if the NFL or ESPN or you know the collaboration, if they would look to maybe switch things up a little bit. What other options could you go with on that weekend? Let me see. Because, look, if you're a Giant fan, you probably don't even want to see your team play on Monday night. 
and get embarrassed. Oh, is is that they they've got two Monday night games that night at the same time? Do you know that? Tennessee at Miami and Green Bay at the Giants. So two Monday night games, both starting at 8:15. One is on ESPN, the other's on ABC. Philly and Dallas is the Sunday nighter. That's not moving, obviously. They have Buffalo, Kansas City, but CVS probably protected that game because that's the 425 big national game, I'm sure. Seattle, San Francisco, not terrible, but Seattle, San Francisco is playing on primetime on Thanksgiving night. That's a little too much uh, Niners, Seahawks, if you ask me. Uh, Jacksonville, Cleveland. Does that do anything for anybody? That's really it. So I don't know. You might get stuck with that game. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Anyway, so earlier today out at City Field, Mets play baseball there. They still have a team, even though it was a brutal season last year. They got a new manager, Carlos Mendoza. They take him from the Yankees. He was the bench coach. He was the sage wisdom next to Aaron Boone for the last handful of seasons. And now he gets an opportunity to run his own show. And... To a man, I think a lot of Met fans and even a lot of baseball fans in the city, they probably don't know a hell of a lot about Carlos Mendoza. They know the name, right? But they don't really know a lot about him. They don't know his tendencies. They don't know his personality. They sure as hell don't know how he's going to be able to run a team of his own. But I watched the press conference today, trying to get as much intel on this guy as as possible. And I thought he did a really, really good job. He was sincere, was honest. Um, I think the fact that he's bilingual and he's going to be able to communicate to a lot of the Spanish players on the team, there's a couple that are really, really key. Uh, I I think that certainly helps in a lot of ways. But he's not going to be able to do it all by himself. And they're going to have to go out there and get a bench coach, I'm sure, much like he was for Aaron Boone. But somebody, they said today, he prefers somebody with managerial experience, somebody who's been a skipper before. Okay. I know Willie Randolph's name was mentioned. But a lot has to happen before that move is facilitated. I'm sure that it would be popular amongst the fans, but then Willie's got to decide, you know, do I really want to go back and join the Mets organization, a team that let me go in the middle of the night? 2000 and what was that? 2008 is when they fired Willie Randolph. So 15 years ago, I know it's a different ownership group, different people in charge and everything, but I mean, that's something to consider. The fans would like it, but what's going to be the best thing for the ball club right now? And so Carlos was asked what a team managed by him is going to look like. Yeah, it starts with connection, relationships, so the players can trust me and know you know that I'm there for them and want to have their back, right? But it comes down to preparation, attention to details each and every day, and competing. Uh, I want the team to go out there and play hard every pitch, and then at the end of the day, I want them to have fun. But I'm a huge and a big believer. I've learned through my experience that the connections, the trust, the respect, the relationships in the locker room, in the clubhouse, when you care about people, when you connect, it creates that culture that we're talking about that eventually will show up on the baseball field, but guys are going to be prepared and just know that we understand the, the, the expectations here in New York. And what about the state of the Mets franchise, Carlos, right now as you see it? I'm excited about our roster. Like I said earlier, you know, this is a team that won 100 games not too long ago and a lot of their core players are still on our roster, right? So I do feel really good about that. Yeah, we got some work to do and I'm, I trust David and his team to continue to make improvement and to continue to add. But I, I am very excited with the group of players that we currently have on our roster. It's a difficult question to answer because, guys, it's November the 14th. Like, no moves have been made. None. 
Although I did see our old buddy Dom Smith got DFA'd today by the Washington Nationals. You know, like nobody has any idea what this roster is going to look like. They could say all the right things right now about Pete Alonso not getting traded, but he might get traded if somebody makes the Mets an offer that they can't refuse or if contract negotiations are going absolutely nowhere. Maybe yes, maybe no. You know, they're going to be a player in free agency. I don't know if they're going to go out there and spend hundreds of millions like they've done the last couple of off-seasons, but they're probably going to be a little bit more active than maybe Steve Cohen implied at the trade deadline last year. Sometimes that money just burns all in your pocket a little bit. I'm not saying you're going to go out there and get all the fancy toys, but enough quality players to where they can contend. And look at the way the league unfolded this past year. It doesn't take a lot. You just play like a hair above 500, and you're going to be in the mix in September. That's what happens when you have three wild cards. It's tough not to be in the race. Like right now, look at the NFL. And look at the standings. Like in the AFC, for example. You've got, I think it's something like 11 or 12 teams that have four wins right now, which are essentially like 500 at the midway point of the season. And so they're technically in the mix. That's all it takes. And I think the Mets will be one of those teams next year without even knowing what the roster is going to look like. And they got to go out there and get a lot of pitching. I think that's number one, the biggest area of need that they have. Starting rotation, followed by the bullpen. That is what they have to address. But if you're asking me right now, knowing the people that they have in charge, will the Mets be a team once Labor Day rolls around that still have a pulse in the baseball season? Yeah, I kind of think they will. And none of us know what Carlos Mendoza is going to be as a manager. And look, nobody, and I have this on good authority, nobody has ever gotten a job and been introduced at a press conference and that team or anybody there said negative things about them. Otherwise, why the hell would they have gotten the job? People are not hired on a basis to fail. They're hired because they think that somehow, some way, they're the right man for the job. But it's still a crapshoot because for the Mets, it's not just a new manager. It's a new general manager. Well, he's technically not the general manager, but essentially, you know, he's the guy in charge, David Stearns. And we don't know how David Stearns is going to run this team. We know what he did in Milwaukee all those years, but that was a small market club. That was a shoestring budget compared to what he's going to be allowed to work with potentially here, given Steve Cohen's checkbook. And David Stearns is somebody who is very analytically steeped in terms of his baseball background. And there are already some folks out there that are a little bit skeptical of the Carlos Mendoza hire because bringing in a first-time skipper would allow somebody like David Stearns a chance to enact what he wants to do for the franchise and how he wants it to be run, meaning it's all going to be data-driven. It's not going to be so much trust your gut and baseball instinct. And then Carlos Mendoza, in a lot of ways, is going to be that so-called typical manager nowadays that's going to go, that's going to show up into his office every day for the game, and that night's lineup is going to be printed out waiting for him on his desk from the analytics department upstairs. And that he's going to be nothing more than a puppet, which isn't fair. Right? It's not fair. He should be given the opportunity to go out there and run this team, make his own decisions. And I hope that they let him do that. Now, look, the Mets got rid of a manager that has a borderline Hall of Fame resume in Buck Showalter and a guy who won 101 games two years ago. I know how it works. A new guy is in charge. He wants to hire his own guy. And David Stearns probably knows that if indeed he wanted to strong arm the manager a little bit 
into maybe being a little bit more influential as to how the lineups are made, what the theory is on when we get pitchers in and out, how we're going to manage the bullpen. You could probably be a little bit more successful in doing that with a rookie manager versus a guy who's won a hell of a lot more games like somebody like Buck Showalter and who's been around the game longer than David Stearns has even been alive. I get it. And now we got to see if it's going to hold true when this Mets team could get back to where they were a couple of seasons ago. 800-919-3776, that is the telephone number. We'll get to your calls, and also, we're going to hear from a former member of the New York Knicks Brain Trust in what he thinks the road to a championship looks like for this franchise. Grasso Show till the top of the hour, 98.7 ESPN. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really... Who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This is the Dan Grasser Show on 98.7 ESPN. 800-919-3776. Got the Champions Classic going on out at the United Center in Chicago. And those are saying, what the hell is the Champions Classic? That's the thing they do every year, remember? Duke, Michigan State. Kansas and Kentucky, they play like a double header. The opponent, you know, they they kind of do like each year they change the, uh, you know, the teams that uh, play each other and whatnot. But it's it's an awesome showcase. You got a lot of you know top players, obviously top programs, NBA scouts, it's who's who and whatnot. So you got Duke and Michigan State going at it right now. Uh, gonna watch that other game when I get home a little bit later on. But the reason I bring that up is because last night St. John's, um, you know, they have the Gavit games going on, and that's when you have. A Big East team plays somebody from the Big Ten. And last night you had St. John's play Michigan at Madison Square Garden. There was a lot of enthusiasm for that one. And uh, Michigan took it to uh, the Johnnies. They really and truly did. And Michigan, I'll tell you, they're doing a hell of a job here because that was a team that lost a couple of dudes to the draft. Juwan Howard, the coach, is not there because he had the heart procedure done. So Phil Martelli has been running the show, and they've gotten off to a great start this year. And, you know, I, I thought Patino said something interesting after the game and I'm going to paraphrase, but he made the point, and it's true. They've got, what, 10 new players on their team this year, St. John's, especially in this kind of like wild, wild west world of of college sports that we live in now with transfers and NIL. St. John's has like a whole new roster. And so Patino made the point that a lot of these guys, where they came from, they were either the number one or the number two scoring option on their respective clubs, and he's right. They were the go-to guys. So maybe the emphasis on defense wasn't necessarily where it should be because their value to the team was more about scoring the ball. 
And right now you can see St. John's has a supreme deficiency when it comes to guarding folks. And that is something that Rick Pitino is going to have to drill into these guys, and that's the challenge of it. Because he said, I got 10 guys essentially that defense was never really the number one priority with them. So that's going to take some time. And look, you hope that you could get this thing figured out ASAP. Certainly before conference play rolls around, around, you know, the start of the new year, because the Big East is a gauntlet. And this is St. John's team that, you know, has gotten a lot of buzz, drawn a lot of interest, and 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 it makes it good for the game, good for college hoops in this city. You know, you guys know I love it. And so having St. John's relevant is a positive. And what Patino's done so far with all this national attention for the program, that doesn't hurt things in any way, shape, or form. You know, get some buzz back in the garden for these games. It's great. But there's some work to do. And you got to get it figured out because you got some teams in that Big East specifically. I mean, you got the defending national champs that are there first and foremost in UConn. Creighton's a damn good team. Marquette is a real good team. Who was waxing Wisconsin just a couple of minutes ago when I looked up and I saw? Was that... um? Is that Providence? I know it was up on the TV before, but it was gone. But, you know, there are no layups. I know Villanova got upset the other night, but Villanova's a decent team. Yeah, Villanova got upset by Penn, but they're a decent team. Big East is going to be fun this year. It was Providence, right? So so there you go. Um, we'll see where this thing kind of plays itself out here, but they still got some work to do. But college hoops in the area should be a lot of fun this year. You know, Princeton's good again. You know, Rutgers is going to be there. They're still trying to figure things out a little bit with some of the new pieces, but uh, it's going to be fun. And in this city, Johnny's could be back. Jose's in Brooklyn. He's next here on 98.7. Hello, Jose. How are you? Hey, good evening, Dan. Shout out to the company. Definitely wanted to, you know, talk some Jet football with you because, um, you know, it's been – I was listening to all the Jet talk and, you know, God, uh, I really, you know, <laughs> find some of them – I find some of the Zach Trickers funny, but it's hilarious. But um, the, the concern that I have is that <clears> – <throat> The reason that the fans, uh, and I don't know if Tim Boyle is better than Zach Wilson. I don't know if Trevor Simeon is better than Zach Wilson. But the reason that fans are kind of clamming for it is because it's kind of obvious. It's we, We're seeing the same things that we saw last year. And remember, around last year around this time, Mike White was the guy that was, remember, he was the guy that, he didn't do too well in preseason, and he's the fifth round pick. And how you know? And there's no way he could be possibly better than Zach Wilson, and even though our eyes saw the year before. Right. So that's kind. So that's kind of where. So that's kind of where Jet fans are kind of hoping for Trevor Simeon and Tim Boyle to be better. My eye saw that Tim Boyle was better with the third stringers when Zach was with the second stringers. So I don't know. But at the end of the day, it, but Tim it, Boyle it was also going up against third stringers too, Jose. That's the difference. Yeah, I know. That's I know. I know. But it, it's just one of those things where it's like, hell, I, I don't know. And can no, you, you know what it is, Jose. I'll let you finish. But here, and, and I think I can. I, I'll articulate it this way. And this is where I think a lot of fans are coming from. Yeah. They're, they acknowledge that, yes, Trevor Simeon and Tim Boyle, they're not the answer, but mm-hmm. I also know that Zach isn't the answer. And they're tired of kind of just playing out this game because both of those things can be true, and fans are just reactionary and want to see something else. But the difference is 
the coaches are not fans, and they're looking yeah. at it a different way because they see it every day around the clock, and to them, they still think that Zach gives them the best chance to win. And, of course, if, you know, upstairs is telling you that you you, you got to start Zach. But um, i got to ask a question, a second question. What, 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 why was Michael Carter released? Why was he released? Yeah, because I thought he was beloved in the locker room, and I thought, like, you know, he was really uh, – I, 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 I really hope that it, I really hope it doesn't send a bad message because the last thing I want is is uh, is that to be looked at as you know one of the, one of the down points of the season. I don't That's think they, I, yeah. I don't think it's like that, Jose. And, and I thank you for the phone call. And look, it, it happened kind of close to the show, so obviously I'm you know been preoccupied. I haven't really checked in with a lot of people. I got a text from a player who said basically you know they're happy for him that he'll be able to maybe get a fresh start someplace else. Because, look, Michael Carter's not a bad player. He's not. You know, he showed us a couple of years ago during his rookie year. The dude could play. You know, he was a 1,000-yard rusher in North Carolina. Like, he's a good player. Problem is, he's behind Brees Hall and Dalvin Cook. And even Dalvin Cook hasn't really done all that much this year. But Dalvin Cook's, you know, been to four Pro Bowls. He's, you know, he's got a resume. And so Michael Carter was always going to be that third guy on the depth chart. And some guys can play that role, some guys can't. And I think that he struggled to that a little bit. I think that he struggled a little bit last year when he had to take on a secondary role with the emergence of Brees Hall. So for his sake, again, maybe he catches on someplace else. And also, I think from a team perspective, it now gives Izzy Abanaconda an opportunity to maybe go out there and make some plays because they do think highly of Izzy. And I'm a little bit surprised that it's taken until – what is this going to be, week 11? That maybe the earliest, week 11, is when he's going to even be active for a game on Sunday because he's been a healthy scratch. 800-919-3776. Mike in South Florida is up next here on 98.7. Hello, Mike. How are you? Good, sir. Thank you. Uh, I wanted to get your take on uh, it seems like Buffalo mm-hmm. is a big favorite in this game. They're a seven, seven-and-a-half-point favorite, right? So the game is in Buffalo, mm-hmm. and don't you think if there ever was a mismatch between uh, Josh Allen and the Jets quarterback, excuse me, uh, Wilson, that uh, a good bet is to give some – I think that Buffalo is going to beat the Jets by like two touchdowns minimum. It's going to be a route, and I wanted to think with you – would uh, hear what you say about think about it, please. Well, but Josh Allen, you, you you do realize though, Mike, that Josh Allen has struggled against the Jets' defense over the last couple of years, including Week One at the Meadowlands, where the Jets beat the Bills and Josh Allen and Zach Wilson, right? Yeah, I realize that, but the Jets are in such disarray right now, where you know people are drinking the Kool Aid. But are the Bills? So, so Mike, if the Jets, but Mike, if the Jets are in disarray, what do you say about the Bills? The Bills have lost four out of the last six, and they could have easily lost six straight. Well, the uh, the Jets have won two games; they had no business winning. And what I'm, what I just wanted to say to wrap it up. Thank you. Is mm-hmm. uh, that I think that. Uh, Buffalo is just going to roll over the Jets, and all these people that have been drinking the Kool-Aid are finally going to say, yeah, (coughs) excuse me, they're terrible. Okay, Mike, well, you know what? Go get some Kool-Aid yourself so you can get rid of that nasty frog in your throat there. (coughs) 
By the way, what? See, Harvey's laughing. Harvey's a bad guy, but it's funny. Um, I'm not a bad guy. What's that? I'm not a bad guy. No, at you're all. not a bad guy. It's funny. It answered the show, and he's fine. You know, he'll live to make another call. Um, what Kool Aid are people drinking? Seriously, like, I mean, we've been on the air now for what two hours? Did myself or any of the callers that we've had tonight have any of them even insinuated for a second that the Jets are a Super Bowl team or the Jets are a, a lock playoff team or even that the Jets are going to go in and beat up the Bills on Sunday? Nobody said that. But it's not fair to say that one team is in disarray when another team just fired their offensive coordinator this morning and had one of the worst performances you can have in your building as a favorite, by the way. On national TV, like the Denver, like they did against the Denver Broncos last night. And by the way, you know what the line was in that game last night, Mike? Buffalo was favored by seven and a half. They were a big favorite, and they lost the game. Honestly, and look, I know the Jets got a gift against the Giants. You don't think the Bills should have lost against the Giants, right? The game against the Buccaneers, that came down to a, a Hail Mary where if Chris Godwin turned around, I think it was Chris Godwin, if he just managed to turn around, he would have caught a ball. Nobody was even guarding him in the end zone, and the Bills would have lost that game. This team's lost four out of their last six. They fired their offensive coordinator. They would be a team in disarray. But we'll see what happens on Sunday, right? 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. And again, it's not like it's one-on-one -on -one basketball to where the quarterbacks go out there and play against each other. It's not how the game works. You don't necessarily have to have the better quarterback to win a game. Right? Look at what happened on Monday night at the Meadowlands a couple of weeks ago. Justin Herbert threw for 130 yards. Zach Wilson threw for, I think, double than Justin Herbert. Yet yeah, Justin Herbert's team won by three touchdowns. Weird, that game of football. Let's talk some Knicks when we come back. Plus your phone calls at 800-919-3776. Grouse the show till the top of the hour, 9870 ESPN. <laughs> this podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs> that was funny, actually. <laughs> <laughs> that was funny, actually. But she also killed off two family members. Dan Grasso Show brought to you by Robitussin, 98.7 ESPN. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. We're taking it right until the top of the hour. Larry and Gordon coming your way at that point. Um, Scott Perry, remember him? Was the general manager of the Knicks for a number of years. And then Leon Rose came by and... Basically, I don't, you know, Scott Perry's role was kind of diminished, even though he still had the GM title. But, you know, he moved on from the organization, and now he's doing some work with us here at ESPN, as a matter of fact, as an analyst. So he appeared on uh, NBA Today today, and he was asked, how far away are the Knicks from title contention? 
I really think they're just one player away. And here's what I think they're one player away, a player that can come in and doesn't have to be a superstar player either. A player who can create some offense off the dribble that takes some of the pressure off Jalen Brunson having to do that as well, or Julius Randle having to do it, or R.J. Barrett. Just another player. And I'll give you an example. You mentioned my time in Detroit. In 2004, we were in a very similar position that the Knicks are in right now. We were in the middle of the pack. We were like fourth or fifth in the Eastern Conference. We were a good basketball team, but we needed to get over the hump. We made an in-season trade to go get Rasheed Wallace. We add Rasheed Wallace, boom, we go on a run, we end up winning the NBA title. I think we're uh, maybe the last team to make an in-season move like that to go ahead and win a title. Yeah. I believe in I believe in the collective, and I think the Knicks have something in terms of depth. So you add one more player to that mix, you don't have to go the typical three superstar route uh, sure. to get it done. You know what's funny about that 2004 Pistons team? The Nets had them dead to rights in the second round. Dead to rights. They won like a four-overtime game in game five in Detroit. They were up 3-2 in the series, and they went back to the Meadowlands to wrap it up in game six, and they fell flat. And they fell flat. And then Pistons won game six, won game seven, then they went on to the conference finals, and then... NBA Finals and, and won the whole darn thing. Well, as far as this Knicks team is concerned, though, as Scott Perry was alluding to, look, yeah, I, I don't think they're that far away. But the question is, who is that one player? And what caliber of player is that guy that they still have to go out and acquire? I agree. Because as presently, like, you look at the Knicks right now. It's basically the same team as last year, save for what, Dante DiVincenzo. So this team is good enough right now, I think, to be top four in the Eastern Conference. And I'll tell you what else also, if you watch last night's game, I was actually pleasantly surprised at how well they did last night. Second half of a back-to-back, going up to Boston, playing in a place where, let's face it, the Celtics just don't lose. Literally, they don't lose. They haven't lost yet there this year. Lopsided margins of victory. And they were right there early in the fourth quarter. They were right there. And then they ran out of gas. Because without R.J. Barrett, who I know some people maybe haven't seen the light yet, but R.J. Barrett's gotten better. And R.J. Barrett's been their most consistent player so far this year. And he missed that game last night with the migraine. You hope he's good to go tomorrow against Atlanta, by the way. But there's just too many options on that other side for the Knicks to have to fight fire with fire with. And Tatum caught fire in the fourth quarter. Like, it was funny, like, three quarters were in the books, and I looked, and I was like, oh, Tatum's got, like, 18 points. It's like, Knicks have actually done a pretty decent job on him. Like, they've held him in check. And then he just goes off in the fourth quarter. I think he had, like, 14 points or 15 points in the, in the final quarter, and that was all she wrote. But on him and Jalen Brown and what Porzingis has meant to that team already this year. Now, Porzingis is guaranteed to get hurt. You know that. So he's not going to be that much of a factor all season. And then you throw in Drew Holiday, what he means. Then you had Sam Hauser coming in off the bench and hitting threes. And and the problem is, too, with not having R.J. Barrett, I was curious as to how Tibbs was going to adjust his rotation. And what did he do? Instead of making sure that he rolled out nine guys and giving somebody else an opportunity, whether it was Deuce McBride, no, he shortened the bench even more. And there was only eight guys that saw action pretty much throughout that game. And when you put Josh Hart in the starting lineup, it just requires more from the guys that you have on that second unit. And IQ picked the wrong night to have an off night. And IQ's been so good for them. But he was kind of quiet last night. 
you know, when he got Isaiah Hartenstein throwing up a, a prayer three as the shot clock is going down for his only bucket of the night, that's that's not what you need. DiVincenzo had an off night. You know, those three guys, DiVincenzo, Quickly, and Hartenstein, they had 15 points on three, let's see, four of 18 from the field. It's not going to get it done. It's not going to get it done. Randall's getting better, starting to shake off the effects from that ankle surgery. He'll be fine. I don't worry about him. I don't worry about Brunson. He's fine, of course. But who's that next guy that's going to step up in the event, let's say, RJ's not around? So, yeah, I agree with Scott Perry. They do need to go get another guy, but who is that guy? And I don't think it's a depth player. I mean, if he's going to use the Pistons analogy, Rasheed Wallace was a damn good player. I know he moved around a lot. He was a little bit of a, you know, a, a head case at times, but Rasheed Wallace was a good player. He was an all-star player. He was really, really good. That's the guy the Knicks need to go get. Let's say hi to Abraham in New York up next year on 98.7. What's up, Abe? How you doing? How's it going, guys? I'm good. How are you? Good. What's going on? Uh, I got a couple a couple quick questions. First, you guys are talking about, you know, getting that key player to push us over the edge and to, to win a championship. Does that include moving Randall to get that player, or does that include Randall as a part of a big three? I would think that you'd have to keep Randall, right? Because that wasn't what Detroit did necessarily once upon a time. They just added to the core they had. But Tom Thibodeau was always quick to point out, when you look at all these other guys, well, that's what the issue is when you have three scores. And, you know, like, you have three scores already. Randall, Brunson, and R.J. Barrett. Is there room for a fourth one, right? Especially a guy who's going to play heavy starter minutes. Right, and that's, that's my issue with Randall is Randall wouldn't necessarily be the number number three option on the team, and he could barely take being the second option. Well, I don't know. You see, I, I, Abe, I hear what you're saying, but I don't know. Maybe Julius sees it a different way. In a perfect world, it would be great if he's no better than your number three option. Like, if he buys in completely, but I don't know if you're going to be able to craft that type of a scenario for this club. Agreed. All right, thank you, guys. Abe, thanks for the phone call. Appreciate you. Look, they, they got to go get another guy. And whether that's going to be before the trade deadline this year at some point or whether it's going to have to wait until the summer again, we'll find out. But as this team is currently made up, I mean, they're a good team. They're a good team. They're just not a title contender team. Not yet. And that's not a bad place to be, considering where they were. 800-919-3776. We'll close it out with you guys on the phones. Grasso Show till 9, 9870 ESPN. Buffalo is favored by seven and a half. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs> Remember, tomorrow, just the 30 minute shoot around. That's all we have for you because we have Knicks Hawks coming up manana. But then we get the full show with a little bonus time added on on Thursday. We got three full hours. At 6.30 to 9.30. Let me say hi to Jason. He's in East Windsor. He's up next on 98.7. Hey, Jay, how are you? Hey, good, buddy. How are you? Good, Jay. What's going on? Uh, I just wanted to put you in the Giants GM chair for a minute. I wanted to get your opinion on this. Mm-hmm. And you could just leave me on after because I'm home. I want to hear you what your answer is. Yeah. Um, in the last couple of years, you know, we've seen these quarterbacks drafted. You know, May- May- uh, Baker Mayfield going one, Zach Wilson going two, Carolina trading up to get Bryce Young, Trey Lance with three first-round picks. We've seen a lot of mistakes. So, legitimately, I think if the Giants lose to New England this week, 
that they could honestly go two and fifteen. I mean, with Devito, you know, playing the rest of the year, maybe we get a look at Easton, whatever the case may be. So at the end of the year, Giants get the second overall pick. So I just want to know your opinion. Many options if that's what winds up happening. Do they keep Daniel Jones and draft uh, Drake May, the kid out of North Carolina, who's supposed to be you know behind Caleb Thomas? Do they tr- do they trade the second overall pick? and try to grab a bunch of picks and stick with Daniel Jones? Do they cut their losses? If you're the Giants GM mm-hmm. and they wind up 2-15 and 15 with the second overall pick, what are you doing? I'm drafting a quarterback. Now, again, I don't know who that guy is going to be because that's going to be up to Joe Shane and Brian Dayball. And there's going to be a lot of guys who are going to be in consideration for that pick, you know, obviously. You know, whether it's Caleb Williams, whether it's Drake May, whether it's Bo Nix, whether it's Michael Penix, whether it's anybody. You know, there's a lot of guys, and this whole process still has to play itself out. Remember, at this time of Zach Wilson's final season in college, nobody thought that he would be the number two pick in the draft. So these things will play themselves out here over time. I don't think there's any fault in keeping Daniel Jones, because remember, after next year you could get out from that contract with not too harsh of a penalty. Daniel Jones is a guy who's not going to ruffle any sort of feathers. I say you draft the quarterback – You bring them both to camp, obviously. There's no crime in even starting Daniel Jones next season. And if he falters or maybe has to leave the lineup for whatever reason, then you bring the kid in there. Because so often we hear about these rookie quarterbacks that could benefit from watching a veteran stand on the sidelines, get the experience. What if the same thing is going to be true for this guy? But no, having both guys on the roster next year I don't think is a problem at all. Okay. Okay. Thanks a lot, buddy. I appreciate it. Jay, you'll be good. I mean, look, you need a quarterback, right? And and I know that Daniel Jones is maybe getting a raw deal a little bit. Now he got money, right? I mean, he did get paid a lot, maybe more so than a lot of people felt that he was even worth. But he did kind of get a raw deal a little bit here with this franchise. And I keep going back to what John Maris said last year, that they've done everything humanly possible to screw this kid up while he's been here. And last year they were able to overcome that. Everything fell into place. He stayed healthy, and they won a playoff game. And he played well, well enough to earn that contract. But this year it's been a complete debacle. And the scary thing about it, too, for the Giants is with, what, seven more games to go? Like, what else could go wrong? Right? Like, how much worse can it actually get? That's the scary part. But Daniel Jones and where he is right now with this football team I just think that the time has passed them by, right? It's like they were never they were never on the same page, Daniel Jones and the Giants. They tried to be. They thought they were, but they weren't because the GM that drafted him wasn't much longer for that job. And then the head coach that he had the first time was not the right guy. Then they brought in another coach to work with Daniel Jones, and that wasn't the right guy. Think of it. Daniel Jones had three coaches already. Three He's been in the league for five years. That's unheard of. And that's the other issue as well that as this thing continues to spiral for the Giants, you know that there's going to be people, fans that are going to be angry and calling for Brian Dayball's head, Joe Judge, or it's not Joe Judge, Joe Shane, and thinking that they should make some changes again. That does not pay dividends down the road. I'm sorry it doesn't. You can't just keep changing coaches every two years. You look like you don't know what the hell you're doing. And maybe Brian Dayball's not going to be the guy for 10 years. 
But he's got to be at least the guy for three. You got to give him another crack at this thing because he at least showed you last year. And whether that's going to be a fluke, we'll find out. But you got to give him another opportunity at this thing. Did he win a Coach of the Year award by accident? I think he's earned the right for another season. And continuity, you can't put a price on that in this league. Because it doesn't reflect well, of course, on your organization, but guys who are maybe even considering coming to the Giants. Like, why would you if there's going to be so much turnover? And look, the Giants, like the, the previous call with Jason, yeah, the quarterback is the most important position, but it's not like the Giants don't have other needs as well. You like this offensive line? You know, they could take an offensive lineman with that first pick, but the quarterback is more important. So they have that that they have to satisfy. You got to get some wide receivers in here. Lord knows what the status of Saquon is going to be next season. Are you bringing him back? Is it even worth bringing him back? Does he maybe want to go else? So there are so many things that they need answering. And what about on the defensive side? What's that secondary going to look like this season? A secondary that hasn't even played all that well. You're going to have to make some changes there. We all talked about that there might be some sort of a backward step for this team this season. But nobody could have envisioned what happened this year and how it all unfolded. And so they really got to get to work. And it's going to be, a, once again, a very, very pivotal offseason for this franchise. Just when you think that maybe you can put your feet up a little bit and enjoy your spoils, reality sets in in the NFL, unfortunately. Hey, Harv, what did I see that your Red Bulls, like they fired, what, like about five people today? Like, is anybody left there? Well, they cleaned house, essentially. They let go of the interim manager and the sporting director, essentially the GM. So the GM, who they call the sporting director, not the GM in soccer, and the manager, who they don't call the coach, they call him the manager. Right. They were fired by the head of sport, a.k.a. the... Owner? No, think of it like the, ba- think of like the baseball ops guy. So like the, the, the head of soccer ops. Yeah. So they had a head of soccer ops and the general manager. Yeah, and it's a well time too because tomorrow they're having their State of the Union address at 4 p.m. You going to that thing? No, I got to be here. No, you got to be here. Of course not. Is it a Zoom vehicle maybe? You going to yeah, zoom in? Yeah, I'll zoom in. You you can ask a question. I could, yeah. I think you should. I I think you should stir it up. I don't know about that. You should be like, dude, I'm sitting in row two. I'm going to your games each and every week. You're giving me no joy, no satisfaction. It's a new coach. It's a new GM. It's a new sporting director. It's a new everything. I I deserve better. They've done enough stirring for one for some time. Obviously, we've done enough stirring for tonight, so we have to give way to Larry and Gordon. But I want to thank. Harvey, and I want to thank Julian for doing their outstanding job tonight. Thanks to all you guys. We'll talk to you again tomorrow at 630 for a brief little 30-minute cameo. Then we got the Knicks. Dan Grasso, saying so long, 98.7 ESPN. Good night, Dan. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. (laughs)